Uh, I'm just gonna dive right in, man. If that's okay. Yeah, hold on. Let me put let me put some uh, coconut. Not coconut. What is this? Almond milk in my in my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I feel like I might have been like lactose intolerant my whole life, but I didn't know any better. <laughs> well, your body does change every seven years, and you might now be lactose intolerant. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that used to be fun that ain't fun no more. It's a bitch getting old. <laughs> you don't do the, the lactose free? You just straight for the almond milk? Yeah. No, I like almond milk is good as shit. I like it. I, I don't know. To me, it's like the consistency of, of uh, cum. It always bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So I'm going to just jump right in and no. hello and welcome to Teaching River. River, you are 1,382 days old. And I'm going to jump into that. Uh, this is going to be an opinion based episode. I'm sure Drew will have some facts, but I'm here with Drew. Do you want to say hello? Hello. Are you, do you prefer Andrew or Drew? I've always known yeah. you as Drew, but I've never asked. Yeah, Drew works. Andrew's a paperwork name. Okay. <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk to you about one of the things for River's background. I know you through treatment. I met you, man, it's a good couple of years ago now, um, mm -hmm. maybe three years um, at uh, when I was in treatment. And, um, one thing that I, I always admired about you was you always seemed to be you, you know, like, uh, especially in treatment, it kind of st stuck out because like, you know, everybody has a, a mask that they're trying to take off, but also wearing because they're in treatment. They want to be the uh, treatment gangster, you know, and um, <laughs> having, uh, you know, somebody that was so authentic to who they were was always an interesting um thing to be around and and i wanted to talk to you about that but i also want to like kind of jump into like first what is it that you're doing because we've had a talk about it but what you're doing right now with your life is very interesting to me and i'd love to hear a little bit more about that all right, all right. real quick question can you see me like am i on video or something too no, or no just just audio all right do you want me on video too or is this fine uh audio is fine uh that's okay, okay with me all right cool um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm driving around in an RV. Uh, yeah, I'm not the, the guy in the van down by the river. That's not the case. It's not a van. It's an RV. Um, and, uh, yeah, essentially working in treatment for like 10 years, teaching, uh, college for about five. Um, I don't know. I was like, you know what? I could use a break. And so, so that's what I did. I took a break. I went and got myself this RV. You know, the, the circumstances aligned in a way where this opportunity presented itself. And now I'm driving around and connecting with communities, uh, centers, people, organizations. Um, some are recovering folks. Some people are in recovery. Some of the communities are recovery focused. Uh, mm -hmm. Some are wellness. Some are wellness and like health focused, like meditation centers and yoga studios. And, uh, and really anybody that's about like being being well or healthy or authentic or themselves uh just connecting with people like that and doing talks and groups and workshops um yeah because i feel like this is uh this is the best i like i did i dealt with a lot of bs in the academic world and a lot of bs in the treatment worlds to be able Certainly. to do this 
to do this kind of stuff. So and, last uh, last yeah. time I saw you in person, um, you were uh, I was in IOP treatment, and you were buying a farm to make a co- like a community. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I hit, you know, then I talk to you later and you're doing this and, and that's a very big jump from where you originally had planned. So where does Mm -hmm. this idea come from, um, out of that, you know, you say circumstances align, um, Mm -hmm. you know, how does, where, where does this idea come from? So, so I've actually for like years wanted to do something like this, just hit the road and, uh, yeah, and just go like see stuff. You know, it's a big world. You know, so and I spent enough of it in New Jersey. So, um, you know, so like if rivers here and this, like go travel, go do cool shit. You know, I um, agree. There will always be a million reasons why not to, and a bunch of people will tell you why you need to be responsible and do all your things. But whatever, man, live life. Um, so, so I was here in Jersey. Um, I opened up a little yoga space and a little counseling thing about five four or five years ago mm-hmm. and then that grew and a bunch of people started coming regularly so then out of the people that were coming regularly to this yoga studio meditation center um then we decided to take another step and uh and then do the the farm so like a sustainable kind of uh conscious community uh it just turned out that we pro- like my vision was probably a little big and i was reaching Okay. Um, a little too soon. And, uh, and what I was asking from people, they weren't really ready to, to give. Um, they wanted to give it, you know, like they wanted to be about it, but when it came time to actually be about it, it turned out it was maybe a little bit too much. Um, so, uh, and then when you push people past their comfort zones, you know, then they all do, do all kinds of weird shit. But, uh, so, so then that, that farm thing essentially Im- like imploded, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, and then that of out of that implosion, then there was an opportunity to go teach out west. So I went out west to Oregon because I needed a reboot. You know, the three years of being the main dude in a center. Um, mm-hmm. It's tiring, I imagine. Yeah, and uh, teach you know, what? The, oh, to go teach like counseling and psychology stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah, because it's I don't know, like. So like as part like of me being in recovery now for you know over 13 years something that I've discovered and been in touch with more lately is definitely the like codependency piece the uh you know like taking care of other people's feelings and other people's feelings being more important than my feelings and uh and I was able to really get some perspective on that once I was out in Oregon and removed from everyone that was in my life mm-hmm. um and uh yeah and so then uh so there was definitely a little bit of a culture and, and personality clash out in oregon you know being a, a guy from jersey um you know who's like who's also lived life you know being in recovery and uh being around the the block in the school of hard knocks i went out to portland and i got <laughs> i got placed in a community with some people who like uh like pretended real good but then they uh-huh. couldn't pretend they couldn't pretend when I was there being the real thing. Um, so then, uh, so that didn't work out well, but well, as far as me staying there, but it did work out well as far as them saying, uh, Hey, we'll give you the rest of the money we owe you if you'll go away. Um, <laughs> so, so, so that's what I did. And, uh, and I mean, like I'm cleaning that up, you know, there's a whole, 
about 80% of the people out there in, in the Portland, Oregon area would have preferred me to stay. But there was mm-hmm. a handful of folks who were, uh, yeah, just would would have preferred that I left. Because then they could all stay in their version of their worlds yeah. that they believed. That when I'm around, like, when I'm around people, I tend to expose the, like, cracks in their foundation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, that's which, exactly which why is, I wanted to talk to you, yeah. Yeah, which is great in, a, in like in a treatment setting or if you're looking for the cracks in your foundation, then I'm super helpful. Mm-hmm. But if you have like really invested a lot in a version of yourself that you want to keep together, <laughs> but it's not really all that solid, you, you know, I'm someone you want to keep far away. <laughs> so while you mentioned that, like, I, I don't want to veer you too far off the track, but that's what I noticed about you was if you break that, you know, just whatever is it about you, it, it makes me, um, I'll keep it on me, look internally um, more so than I've ever have really before with, an, with another person. So, like, what do you, what do you think that is? Because, like, I, I, when, when I think about it, I think it's because you're just so in tune with who you are. It's hard to be fake around somebody like that. And, and that obviously oh, yeah. takes a lot of work for you to get where you are. And, and that's specifically what I want to talk about. Like, how do you get to that? How do you get to who you are? Well, well, <laughs> Which is a lofty question. <laughs> right. Well, the cool part is that to that lofty question, the answer is very simple. It's like, you can't never not be what you are. You know, like you're, like you're Grant, you've always been Grant, whatever Grant is. Now, along the way in your life, you like, you know, got bumped into a couple of times and picked up some belief systems and picked up some bullshit. And then you started subscribing to the bullshit that other people were selling. But like at your core, you're still you, you know. So like, like getting in touch with who you really are is is much more like uh, subtraction than addition. OK. You know, it's like clear out the bullshit. It, I mean, you're a science guy. You love this. Like. Mm-hmm. In, in science, you don't prove things true. You fucking find things are false, and then you're left with truth. Yes. Okay. It's the same exact thing. You don't prove yourself to be anything. You let go of the bullshit, and then you are what's left. So then what pushes... It, it's funny. I watched your TED Talk, and I learned more about actually like you and your history in that than the years I've sat in group because it was always, you know, centrally focused on recovery and, you know, mm-hmm. normally about you. Like what um if you're comfortable talking about it, you know, so, it's hard for me to imagine, Drew, uh, you know, um I don't know if it's disrespectful or not, but like I, you know, mm-hmm. but Drew being a, dr- a junkie, I don't I don't see it's it's very hard mm-hmm. to envision. So like <laughs> You just call Can my mom, give- dude. <laughs> <laughs> She'll tell you all about it. You know? She's still got some of those scars. Um, how, yeah, you yeah. know, give me a little bit about y- your upbringing, how you got into drugs, you know, as much as or as little as you as you want to give. But I, I yeah, would yeah. like a little bit more background on you. Sure. Yeah. So in and then in, in the setting in the treatment settings that we interacted, like. I'm there as an instrument. Like I'll share about myself personally to the degree that it is like relevant and supportive and helpful for folks. Um, But I'm not there. You know, you get other people who, you know, especially in the 12 step world, people just talk about themselves forever. Um, And that's not like, that's not the role that I was in. Um, And even, I mean, really, if I'm being a thousand percent honest, like I'm still in certain behavior patterns. Like there's certain behavior patterns in me. 
uh, where I'm not the focus, you know, it, sometimes mm-hmm. to my own detriment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was always a super sensitive kid, uh, like gifted and talented, uh, super intuitive, super curious, would like piss off adults with all the why questions. Um, they said, they said if they left me in the kitchen long enough, I would open up every cabinet <laughs> just to like look in it and see what was in it. Um, which still is the case now. <laughs> um, you know, are you a Jersey native? Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised in central New Jersey. Okay. There is a central New Jersey. Some people will yes. debate that. But, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And the and family is pretty cool. I mean, my family was like an, a, a low level of dysfunction. So like okay. mostly normal. Um, but at the same time, I think that was due to like some really good coping by certain peoples because there is addiction and uh, substance abuse uh, or use disorder. It would have been an abuse back then, mm-hmm. um, but addiction, substance abuse, uh, depression, anxiety, like all through both sides of my family, like my mom and my dad's family trees, you know. OK, because I've done some work. I've traced stuff all the way back. Um, so, yeah, so growing up sensitive. And I think that my high degree of sensitivity then made the little bit of dysfunction in my family still just really loud to me because mm-hmm. um, it's still a struggle to this day. Uh, like, like my parents can't, my parents, and especially my mom, like have a difficult time owning or identifying that their behaviors like weren't good or like, Uh, right. But yeah, it's just, it's like, look, I'm super sensitive. So, you know, like in a really sensitive microphone, if someone makes even a small noise, it still echoes. Um, so, so being super sensitive and raised by a bunch of codependent folks with mental health stuff, um, and then the other thing too is I'm pretty empathic, so I can like feel what people feel mm-hmm. from time to time, which is sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse. Um, but I would essentially be in more in tune with the people around me, more in tune with their feelings uh, than they were or than they wanted to own, like consciously. Right? Like what, my dad. What age does this start? That that you know um, feeling. Like, like as soon like honestly like it's like the earliest puttings together of life for me hmm. was like being aware of a whole bunch of stuff and then coming to realize that people other people i mean really if i'm like it was confusing because i was aware of so much but then half of what i would like point at people would either say didn't exist or they would like react aggressively at me about how it didn't exist yeah so it was like it was like, well, shit, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? Right? Like, I've come to understand it now, years later. It's like, oh, like, I was more in tune with a deeper part of ourselves than other people were or were willing to go to. Right? Because most people want to live at the surface and not really get real deep and keep it mm-hmm. superficial. And But I've always been tuned in deep. So, but as a kid, I just tried to make sense of it. And, and so what we do as kids a lot of times is we blame ourselves for things we don't understand. Yeah. So I blamed myself and then that led to a lot of like self-doubt, which then led to a lot of like social anxiety. So then I'm in public situations and I don't understand them. Like social dynamics never made sense to me as a kid. Mm, Um, I identify. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, people because people are fucking dumb, man. I mean, well, (laughs) we're taught to live in a non-authentic like way. We're taught to live in a certain way that really is only like it scratches the surface of who and what we are. Um, 
And so, but like I, there was just something in me that knew that that wasn't legit and wasn't willing to like buy into that. Um, when does so, it come to like a head of like, you know, cause you're, you're explaining to me, this is, has been in you, but at a certain point there has to be a, an explosion of either not handling it or handling it because you're right. so tuned in. Right. So it just, it, it grows like increasingly more uncomfortable to be in my skin as I'm, you know, like sensitive, but not sure what's going on and the self doubt mm -hmm. and the social anxiety. And then, and then middle school, you know, like marijuana shows up and alcohol shows up. And then all of a sudden that shit makes my internal pressure and my noise go down. Yeah. And then on top of that, when I would get a little drunk, uh, like I would be naturally myself, like naturally goofy and funny. And then people liked that and they thought that that was funny. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden I'm, I have less internal pressure, less internal noise, less social anxiety and more social acceptance and friends because of how I was acting. And it was like, bang, perfect. And I just yep. fell in hard as shit. So, so that, so then I dove into a substance infused and substance, you know, driven lifestyle. And then also in high school, I had a heartbreak and I found out that, uh, drugs and alcohol made the heartbreak be quiet too. Mm -hmm. And so between the two of those things, then I was, I was, I was gone. Um, and it was about when I was about 24 turned 25 when I finally crashed and burned hard. So about like six years of active addiction, I would say. And, um, you know, d uh, were you a heroin addict or, you know, opiates? Like what was your upper uppers flavor? and outers, man, uppers and outers. Okay. Those are my flavor. Um, <laughs> and again, remember, this is like before I feel like this is, makes me old and cool and shit. But this is before like opiates were like cool, you know, like, yeah, that's why I asked. everywhere. Yeah. Um, I feel like today I was just I was just talking in a rehab and, and this made sense to me as I was sharing. If I was like 16 today, I, th I think I probably would be dead shortly, yeah. like with the scene the way it is and how mm -hmm. bad I wanted social acceptance that I would have like if opiates, you know, because like opiates are the thing today, you know, in whatever form. So I would have wanted social acceptance so bad that I would have been willing to do opiates and do like a lot of them to be cool. And I would be, I'd be dead. Whereas, like, you know, shit in the in the nineties <laughs> or the early two thousands, um, it was just you, you know, you smoked a lot of pot. You know, you took the biggest bong rips. You drank a lot of beer. You know, did cocaine and ecstasy a little bit. Um, but those drugs like weren't the potential like yeah. one one hit kills or one shot kills that they are now. Yeah, I know. Um, I I think about it. I I was running in Camden when I got real bad, and and the, the I mean overdose wasn't heard of i mean it certainly happened but like you know there was it's not like a i mean that was heroin you know you could do mm -hmm. a lot of it and you weren't gonna you know i mean now it's literally loading a gun you know and playing mm -hmm. russian roulette so what does this explosion look like what, like what, is this explosion you're when when it all comes to a head you say it kind of melts it down for you you know is that uh, a yeah. family thing a legal thing uh you know internal realization or all of them all that jazz um yeah oh yeah it's so and my thing were like uppers and outers and then gambling too i was big on gambling because i learned really? that from my family okay yeah interesting so uh so I, I'm in high school. I start to get out of control, uh, party monster, maniac. I go to college. It gets worse. Um, and then in college, I spent like a, a, 
a semester of college on acid, or mm-hmm. or let's say more on acid than not. Uh huh. Um, okay. <laughs> so so I'm like not in a good place, and then I'm just like blowing open my you know mind and all that good stuff. Um, so that that helped things get ugly and dark. Um, and then I and then I was gonna fail out of college, so I pulled out of college, and went down to South Carolina to work with my uncle, and uh, and and that's where I say that I spent about a year and a half down there and got my drunken MBA. Mm-hmm. So I was an assistant manager at a fast food restaurant and I learned all about how to run a restaurant from dudes who were like really good at it. But the restaurant industry, like yep. everybody's hammered or high. Yeah. So I, w- I was coming out of drugs at that time. So I just learned how to be a functional alcoholic. Okay. So I was like hammered five nights a week, but also, you know, like knew how to do business stuff, which was cool. But then because I also still didn't know how to actually like live life and pay bills on time and not be a hot mess that crumbled. So then I moved back to New Jersey for a little while, took a job with another uncle. And then that thing blew up because, uh, I just refused to like, listen to people who I judged to not know what they were talking about, (laughs) you know? Um, and I wasn't like totally wrong. Like most rooms that I walk into, I'm more perceptive than most of the people there. Um, but if I can't like learn how to like operate in my life in a way that allows me to have relationships and do things that I want to do, then that's on me. You know? Yeah. Like just cause I'm one of the smart guys in the room doesn't give me license to be an asshole or what it did is it, I thought it gave me license to be an asshole, which then just meant I was alone and miserable and wanted to do more drugs. Um, so, you know, that the old, I was always right and never happy. Um, Okay, I I a hundred percent identify with that. A hundred percent on the. Uh, I wasn't emotionally smart, but certainly intellectually, uh, you know, mm-hmm. felt right. I was certainly above everybody, um, and didn't uh, handle myself well in in that attitude. <laughs> yep. Yep. So then, yep. So, uh, so go I'm, ahead. Yeah, yeah. So then I'm in Philly, and I'm working with. My uncle, that the other uncle, that implodes. Then I took off for Florida because essentially I just kept blaming other people. Yeah, like oh, they're like they don't get it, they're assholes, blah blah. blah. And uh, but, but kept doing the same shit. So then I went to Florida and I did the same shit again. But then I had nobody to blame this time. So then when I'm, well, I got a I got locked up for a DUI, and I'm like detoxing, you know, on the jail floor after the DUI. And, and then that's kind of moment of clarity or rock bottom or whatever. It was just like, holy shit. Like what? <laughs> like I was the kid with all the potential that everybody liked that, you know, could do anything with his life. And the thing I had figured out how to do was be drooling on myself on a floor in a jail, a thousand miles away from anyone who cared about me or would be willing to bail me out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah. And then it was also like, that's the moment where I realized that there was nobody left to blame. So I had to have been playing some part in the disaster that was my life. And, uh, what, so, what is yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, um, what does that feel like for you in that moment? You know, what, I, I, I've been in the jail cell and being like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is out of control. And it's certainly, you know, it just I'm hits trying to deep, man. It just hit like deep in my stomach somewhere, you know, like it wasn't like a, Oh my gosh, I'm making bad decisions. I need to do better. You know, it was just more like I'm sitting there like wanting to die. And it's just like, fuck man. Like, 
maybe it is me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just like, I don't know. Just I, like it broke me. Like I was just, I okay. was broken. And, uh, and I feel like that that's what has to happen a lot of times yeah. is that we have to get cracked open in order to then start to grow just like any seed. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like you need certain, certain situations and certain temperatures and, you know, certain things that have certain pressures to crack a seed open for it to, you know, begin to grow. And, uh, the thing that really did it for me though, is that after I like <laughs> felt like shit for hours, um, then I went to one of the prison guard guy guys or gals. I think the pay phones weren't working. So if you had to make a phone call, you could go to the office. So I went to the office and I had no idea what time it was, but it was like early in the morning. Now it was like four, maybe in the morning. And so they were going to call my mom for me to see if, you know, they could help me out. Okay. And, uh, but I knew that my mom's thing for years was that she was going to get that call in the middle of the night, you know, la la la. Like that's what she would always say to me when I was being a maniac. It's like, yep. I'm going to get a call in the middle of the night and blah, you know, you're going to be dead. And, and, uh, and so, so I asked the guard that was making the call. I'm like, look, can you just tell her like your son's alive and then everything else you have to say? <laughs> and the guard just kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then totally blew me off. And so answered the phone like, hello, this is so-and-so from state, blah, blah, blah. And I hadn't spoken to my parents in like months at this point. So they have no okay. idea what's going on. And I could hear, and then I heard my mom be like, yes. Like I could hear my mom's voice on the phone. And she was like preparing herself to hear that her son was dead. Mm. And like whatever happened, like me hearing that, like hit something deep in me. And, uh, and I feel like that was like the final blow that really cracked me open. And, uh. You know, like essentially hearing my mom think her son was dead, like hearing that kind of pain on somebody, you know, that you, you care about. And uh, yeah. And so so uh, I didn't get clean right away. But after that, I went back shortly after that. I went back to New Jersey. And uh, and about six months after that is when I finally got clean. Um, but I knew and, in that moment that shit had to be different. I just didn't know how to do it. So that's why it took a little while. And did you know where to go to get that help? You know, like now, yeah. like uh, uh, I, uh, AA's so uh, recovery is so talked about. It's kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, I know where to go. But back then, I can't imagine it being. You know, yeah. does it? What? Where do you? How do you yeah. find the path? Yeah. So this is two thousand six. Two thousand. Yeah. The begin. The very beginning, January of two thousand six. Um, well, I had been seeing a therapist guy, off and on for like years, and. Uh, and then he, um, and then he said, he's like, all right, look, I'll see you, but like, you have to be clean. Like, we're not going to do counseling work unless you're actually like clean. Cause I, w- I used to go to him like high and shit and I would be stoned and you can't yeah. really do good, good work like that. But, um, so then he said, you have to go like, go to these meetings. So I, so I went to a meeting Okay. and I'm like, all right, yeah, I went to a meeting. We can do stuff now. And he's like, no, no, no. You have to like go to these meetings, you know, like multiples of them frequently. Um, and then, uh, so I knew where the meetings were. I had to get over my own judgments though. Cause I thought like, you know, a 12 step meetings were like for those kind of people. Yep. So it was hard at first to realize that I had become those people and, you know, um, but, uh, but that dude, then he made me a promise or we made a deal and he said, if you get a year clean, right. Cause he knew I loved all the spiritual shit. Even back then I loved all the Buddhist stuff and the Eastern stuff. And he said, look, if you get a year clean, I'll introduce you to my friends who like live and work in monasteries. And then you can hmm. talk to them about going. So the reason why I like was willing to go to meetings is because I thought I was doing it for a year to then go, you know, 
live on a mountain somewhere and you know be high but without the drugs and mm. uh and and then at about about nine months we'll say into going to the meetings and meeting people there and being honest and doing step work and and all that jazz i re- i just realized remember it hit me in a meeting it was like holy shit like this dude tricked me because he told me he would introduce me to people of the path if i stayed clean for a year uh-huh but like here i was amongst people who were all paying attention to themselves being kind to themselves learning how to grow like i was in a community of people where the shit that i was always about now was like the thing to do like, yeah sitting in front of you right and it was like oh my gosh like a, like this is us. So I remember I, I cussed at him a little bit and he laughed and we, you know, we, we joked around about it, but, uh, but yeah, but then that led to, I think I stayed in counseling and therapy with him for another like four years or so. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it, he was a mind body guy. So we did a lot of like energy work, somatic psychology stuff. And then I was also doing regular attendance at meetings and working the 12 steps and with a sponsor and all that shit. So yeah, man, I have work to do dog. <laughs> So it to me it sounds like you've always been in tune with yourself but you had you know the uh blockings in place and now you know you said 13 years later Yeah yeah 13 years Okay yeah. So then you know from then to now mm-hmm. what do you think is the big difference in in yourself um i i I like appreciate myself more like because i always felt like i had to like i felt like i wasn't doing life right and i had to do it right in order to fit in or to be accepted or to be whatever to like not feel this like dis-ease that was always fucking with me Mm mm-hmm and now it's like, all right, there's a certain level of dis-ease to just being alive. You know, like, a, a human body is a fucking trip. But, uh, but there's a greater... There's just, like, more acceptance of, like, who I am, how I am, what I'm about. And less of a need to, like, fit into some idea of what I'm supposed to be. You know? And, I mean, I know that just... I'm certainly not a academic in Buddhism, mm-hmm. but I, I know that that is a large part of, you know, the um, goal for, you know, I'm, I'm asking this from the perspective of me mm-hmm. of like, I'm, I'm trying to find my path along where I'm going to go next. Cause what got me here maybe won't keep me here. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to, to evolve and, and, you know, with my religion, I'm exploring that more. Maybe that's fulfilling me for you. Is that a you know? Is that Buddhism? Like, how do you what What does the therapist guide you to finding your inner self? It, it... So I mean, like, so the thing the thing to get clear on, I guess, and this is a nice place to do it, is that like, like the Buddha dude was never a Buddhist, mm-hmm. right? Like Jesus was never a Christian. Like all these dudes who are like the faces of these religions and these like embodiments of certain characteristics and qualities. Like, they're not, like, they were just, like, dudes who got in touch with themselves, and then people came afterwards, and then were like, oh, this guy's cool, we should, like, sell his stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yes. So, and we can go, without going down, you know, about how religion's more about control and freedom and la 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 all that shit, but, like, it's not, it, for me, it's just, it's just about being present, 
you know, like you say, being mindful, there's lots of buzzwords around it, but it's like the experience of being alive in this moment and having uh, a sense of peace with that. And, and the more often that I'm like moving from a place of peace and acceptance of what is, then I can really appreciate it and I can move with it in like a lighter, freer way. Um, well, I guess my question is, yeah, yeah. how do you practice that? How do you uh, get okay. in yeah. tune with that? Cool. Because like, Good. what, you know, you, the, uh, I don't know if it's an academic book, if, you know, uh, how do you get to that point, you know, the to answer, explore that? Yeah. So that the answer is never going to be academic. I could tell you that right now. Okay. Right. <laughs> right? Cuz like listen dude, the the mind is more like the issue than the fucking antidote. Right? Like settling like settling into presence is much more of a heart-centered activity. You know? But um but like what it looks like in my life right now mm-hmm. is a regular meditation practice. Um I mean, so I got when I got clean, I had the years of therapy and the years of the 12 step program, which is a cool thing and gets a bad rap, but is a cool technology for kind of helping people grow who feel like they resonate with it. Um, but then at like eight and a half years, and then also I got introduced to meditation and yoga and, uh, like Reiki and energy healing and all this other shit too. Like this whole other world of like spiritual stuff Mm -hmm. that some of it's on point and some of it's just fucking, you know, like uh good smelling uh dissociation <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah. right there um, so because like there's spirituality that can ground you and then there's spirituality that can make you like more floaty and more bullshit yeah but so and that for me i feel like that's the blessing of addiction and recovery is that i can't afford to be floaty because my fucking life is on the line so i have to find a spirituality that's practical that i can do and that shows up in my life um, so, so for me, that was always the bar. So, I mean, sweat lodges I got introduced to, which are super cool, right? Native American tradition. And I like some of the dressing and some of the stories are really neat, the mythology there, but the actual like prayer and being in, uh, like a sweat lodge that's dark and hot and, you know, like it pushes you past what's comfortable. It pushes you into your, a little bit into your fears and lets you have moments of realizing that your fears aren't as real as we believe them to be which then sets hmm. us free. Um, so it's practical as well as cool, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, then about eight and a half years clean, uh, the opportunity, the, the calling, you know, however you want to talk about it, came to go and uh, and sit with shaman in the Amazon, right, in Peru, and participate in ceremonies with the indigenous folks down there um, and drink a medicine known as ayahuasca, right, mm-hmm. which is... Um, it's a plant-based medicine from the, you know, the Amazonian folks that's been around for thousands of years. Um, so I went and did that. That was super cool. Um, again, was definitely a crossroads. What, was definitely I, a crossroads in my recovery process. Yeah. So I, I know very well about it and, and mm-hmm. everybody, everybody that, I mean, even in the research going on right now, it is a life changing mm-hmm. experience. So tell me a little mm-hmm. bit more about, that what was the the light bulb that went off in the process or you know just a little bit about what that was like so again like (laughs) eight and a half years clean had done all the steps had done all the counseling had went back to school had gotten degrees had you know like had an opportunity to to teach uh, offered to me and and i came back and taught later but but like i had everything that i thought i would have wanted 
and I was still like not happy. I was still like quick to be judgy. I had a lot of self-awareness and not a lot of compassion or forgiveness. So mm. I was just like kind of edgy and sharp and, and I wasn't happy. And, uh, and then my family sat me down and was like, look, there's <laughs> like, what's up? And I'm like, yeah, I know something's up. And they're like, well, what about like medication? And I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to do the pharmaceutical route. You know, like growing up with growing up being the kind of kid I was, they tried to throw meds at me left and right. Yeah. And I managed to make it through with only like a couple trial doses here and there. Um, but I just wasn't about getting off drugs in recovery to then go back on drugs to like mm -hmm. be happy. Um, but I couldn't deny that like I was still like there was still work to be done and I wasn't happy. And it was something about like there was some kind of acknowledgement or admission or surrender maybe to the fact of what was that then all of a sudden the next, that next week, I remember it was within a week after that sitting down with my, my family, ayahuasca was mentioned in like four different conversations. I overheard it in conversations. I had friends tell me about it. Hmm. And, uh, and so, and if you talk to people in, in ayahuasca circles or plant medicine circles, they'll say that that's essentially like the medicine calling you. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I went, and so it's like all of the changes in my life, I can sit back and be like, oh, I overcame addiction. Oh, I faced my fears. But it's like, no, that shit just like beat me down and broke me until I was like willing to not do it in my own way. And, and then I asked for help. And then I was like gracefully removed from my own like my own torture device. So it's like nothing I've done that people would look at and be like, oh, wow, that's so amazing that you did that. It's like, yeah, I think it's amazing, too, because I didn't fucking do it. I just got in all the pain that then made me willing to try some crazy shit to get out of it. You know, mm, um, mm -hmm. so it's not like change is not that noble. It's just that, uh, you know, I, I, for me, I'm sensitive and I don't like pain. So when I find myself in pain, I'm willing to, like, do shit to get out of it. And mm. that's been the answer every time. Um the cool part is that I need less pain these days to be able to motivate me to shift, which, so I'm learning a little bit. So I feel good about that. But, uh, what do, what do you attribute that to just, you know, the fact that you've done so much and changed so much that you just, you just know that most likely moving forward is better. Uh, it's also a sensitivity. So yes. And it's a sensitivity. So it's like, I mean, you probably know it now there's probably shit that you could get away with an active addiction that there's no way you can do now with. A yeah, oh conscience. yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, I, yeah. And then there's shit that you can do today that you kind of know isn't great, but like you can do it that in five years you continue in this process, you'll never be able to do it. It's just yeah. like, so that's what happens. The more that we do this work, the more that we walk this path of awakening or transcendence or enlightenment or whatever it is, like just certain shit we can't do anymore. You know, it's just, it's too heavy or it's not in our, yeah. Which like, I just became less, less willing to pay the price. You know, like it happened to me with fast food. All of a sudden, I'm in a fast food drive-through, and my stomach just like, I, just weird shit started happening, and I'm like, "Fuck! Like, I can't do this greasy McDonald's Wendy's bullshit anymore. Like, it's not even real food anyway." <laughs> yeah, but mm -hmm. but but the only way the only way I got there was because I ate fucking baconators like a maniac. So, <laughs> you know? but uh, yeah. So so the pain and whatever at eight and a half years. Um, because in the recovery world, especially at that time, and even now, there's there's a very hard, strong uh, abstinence-based uh, approach. Yeah. So essentially, you don't do you don't do anything. The uh, the new thing that's coming out is harm reduction, which is cool. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I had to. So as a person who was raised in an abstinence based 12 step culture, you know, raised in recovery. Um, now, all of a sudden, I was at this precipice where I was being called to a medicine that's thousands of years old. Right. To uh, like shift internally. Right. To like heal on the inside. But all of the dressings and all of the people and all the opinions outside of me were all in direct opposition to that. Yeah. And, and I had to like make the decision of like, like, am I going to lean into like, like this inward pull or am I going to do what everybody else says? And uh, and again, luckily, I was in so much pain that like. Like if I was going to go to the jungle and get high, like it didn't matter because I was going to stay here and get high anyway. You know, so okay. it's like, fuck it. And so I went out, went down there and I did some research and I talked to people and, you know, it felt good. And I went down there and then it was a game changing experience because because the medicine ayahuasca is like uh, it's just going to like put you in touch with yourself, man, in like ways that you can't pretend aren't true. And then you have to deal with that shit. So I don't want to take I don't want to ask too much about it because I don't want to take away from the personal experience of okay. that, you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I would like to whatever you are comfortable telling me, like, what was the what's something that you got from that um, that you still learn from today? Um, that uh, in a lot of ways, we create our own suffering. So then how do you avoid that? Paying attention. And how do you pay attention? <laughs> Slowing down. How do you maintain that, uh, uh, that pace and that introspection? Because it's, it's hard for me Through to... practice. <laughs> <laughs> See that? I love you, but this is also the thing that I hate about you, is your answers are always <laughs> so simple and yeah. seem like they're action-based, which is what I appreciate, because I don't right. want somebody to give me non-action. Like, oh, I'll just pray about right. it. But like, still, it's just so simple. Like... Uh-huh. But the, the point of th this whole experiment that I'm doing is to hopefully at some point when River is of age to listen to this and she's going through a struggle in her life, she can mm -hmm. listen to this and go, OK, how do I not get too bad or how do I get out of where I am? Mm -hmm. And, you know, slowing down and paying attention like I, I mean, I can't speak for her. Maybe it maybe it will work. You know, like, how do you say that to somebody not in recovery uh, to get to that point? Not everyone can hear it, man. Because like you said, it's it's super simple and it's super effective. It's a very potent, strong. Yeah. Like, but a lot of us are kind of on a runaway train of our thoughts and ideas and reaction patterns and behaviors. And, you know, like, like if you actually thought that you were already beautiful the way you are there would be no real need to do anything mm. you would still do stuff but there would be no need to do anything but most of us don't really move from a place of already being it you know like we think the next job is it the next money is it the next relationship is it and if i get this thing then that means i'm something else and that something else is what i need to be in order to be okay and happy and loved and that whole carousel that whole race it there's no winning that race because yeah whatever i tell myself today is the thing i need to get to be okay usually right around the time i'm almost going to get that i'm already thinking that there's something else that i'll need to do in order mm -hmm. to be okay yeah so like that's why slowing down and paying attention helps us kind of like unplug from that 
grind from that circle from you know what some of the eastern folks call samsara just this like repetitive cycle of suffering right? like you're like ch- we're always chasing a carrot that we can't reach that might not even exist so how do you i mean it clicks with me because like i think now like i i could certainly go get a better job that pays more i could do things but like i am happy where i am i want to you know, more my my concern in life now is just enjoying the time that I'm not working, you know, because I got to work mm-hmm. to pay for things. And when I'm not working, mm-hmm. you know, I just try and enjoy that. So that clicks. But like, how do how would you tell um, somebody not in recovery and a teenager to say, just be happy now? You know, like, how do you t- tune somebody into that? Because like you said, somebody that's been through recovery, they're a little bit more receptive to it. But like I'm thinking of somebody who's not, who is about to go into high school that's, uh, you know, um, tortured with self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, fe- it feels like like the earlier, the better. Like if yes. you can like instill in like a being from the beginning of their experience, uh, an orientation that isn't uh, like outwardly focused or mm. driven by getting or acquiring things. Um, yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, all you have to do is support the being. Like, you just love them for the sake of them being them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, because if everybody just loved us for exactly what we are, then we would never think we needed to be anything else because we would just be loved for it, and that's it. So, like, mm. by the time you're 12 or 13 or 14, like, yeah, God bless, dude. Just survive that shit. <laughs> like, yeah. like by because as a parent, right? Like the kid is yours until really, right? We won't say the kid is yours, right? Because that's one thing that we really fuck up. Like kids are not kids don't belong to parents. Mm-hmm. Parents, really, the, the acknowledgement should be that parents are in service to the development of a new being. Like yeah, you're a you would support. Yeah, I'm you're a support a system. Right, and you're and this new being that you created might not be anything like or walk a path anything like what you're walking. If you're in tune with actually supporting that being, then mm. that'll be fine. It'll be cool. You know, you just get to be along for the ride with this cool, you know, little being that's with you. Um, but you're the major influence in that being's life until maybe ten, twelve ish, and then and then they shift. You know, psychological research shows us that then the most important group is then the peers. Mm-hmm. So from like 12 to like 20, mid 20s now, like you're just a voice in the background as a parent, you know, like it's, it's the peers. And so really all, like all you can do is make sure that they feel like loved and supported and know that they can come and talk to you about all of their experiences. I feel like that's like the best plan, you know, Mm. because like when they're 14 and 15 and 16, you're going to have opportunities to like help them with things, but there's going to be so many more moments and decisions that they have that exist outside of your presence or your input. Yeah. And, and it's their walk too. Like, yeah, I don't want to take away from that because uh, I know like my parents, I mean, I'm not talking bad about them because they were wonderful, but they certainly tried to insert themselves into that. And that made me push further away because I want to be, you know, I want to experience it. It's natural, man. Like it's right. Like that's the same thing with my parents. Like, dude, my parents are great people. You know, they come from where they come from, you know, and they have what they have as far as beliefs and familial patterns and all that stuff. They're great people. But then, but also some of how they've moved also, you know, put little bruises on my sensitive self. You know, mm-hmm. but at a certain point, it's like, do I want to stay drunk on 
blaming them and, you know, swimming in that poison that is in my system? Or do I want to, like, you know, own it and be accountable and start to take a look and, and let some of that go you know, and love them for who they are? So I have two more questions. Um, yeah. One selfish and one is a big one. Um, yeah. What I'm struggling with is existence in a world of people, of normal people. Um, <laughs> Nobody's you know, normal, bro. <laughs> I, I Well... <laughs> Let's say non-recovery you. people, you know. Okay, um, yeah. The muggles? The, yes, the muggles, <laughs> the unaware. Um, yeah. You know, how do you navigate that? Because I'm finding it very difficult. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I live in an RV and drive around, dude. <laughs> like, maybe you should ask somebody else that question. Um, Fair point, okay. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. I mean, dude, the world is filled with people who don't really know themselves, right? They're unaware or they're, they're like ignorance, I would say. Not like you ignorant or, you know, none of that stuff, but like just they're not aware of themselves and why they do what they do. And then a lot of us are like hurting in different ways, you know, whether it's different wounds from going up or, you know, different beliefs that we have that don't serve us. So you got a bunch of people running around who don't know themselves that are in like mild degrees of pain. And then we're all just banging into each other because we don't pay attention to where we're going because mm. where we're going is more important than actually each other. Mm. So like, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it feels like it's just a recipe for like hurt and pain and suffering. Right. But, and while that might sound like terrible and awful and like, Oh my gosh, what's the point of life? It's like, Hey, like the coolest shit comes out of hurt and pain and suffering. Like mm. this conversation comes out of hurt and pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. right? And so in a way it's like the hurt and the pain and the suffering of a seed is exactly what's necessary for that to blossom and then become the tree that bears fruit. Mm. Right? So when uh, we can start, yeah. So when we can start to see the full spectrum of it all, then it's like, oh, wow, that person's in a lot, like that person's being an asshole becomes that person's in a lot of pain and suffering becomes, wow, that person's going to grow a lot after they're done this, you know? And uh, it just, because if we can have a little bit more compassion, right, that we're all going through something that's not easy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit more awareness of like, you know, what's actually going on because we've done some of our own work. So we, we get it. We can understand why that person's acting like they're acting. You know, it allows us to, to move a little more compassion. And then the other thing, too, is that if we're slowing down, all right, if we're not in such a rush to get somewhere else or do something else to be okay, then we can be more compassionate and conscious of our interactions with each other. And then in that way, like, you you are, like, the change in the world. You know, like, you bring the light. Um, and, uh, you know, and look, 100 out of 101 people might still, like, shit on you and, like, not be nice but like, I'm not doing this so that people will be nice to me. I'm doing this, like I'm living like this so that I can be nice to me. Mm. Yeah. And when I can be nice to me, then I can understand why people don't always act nice, and it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. You know? But the other piece to that too is that we're gonna fall short sometimes, and we're not gonna be able to always practice less like saintly compassion, which is why it's super important to have like people around you that are worth a shit. That when you hit a rough spot, they can scoop you up. And then when they hit a rough spot, you can scoop them up because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't think that we're supposed to do this alone, man. I think that as a human being, actually, uh, like our greater uh, like identity 
is is group like is community yeah like i feel like part of the the reason why a lot of people are unhappy and and sad and a little crazy is because we're afflicted with this condition or this idea that we're supposed to like separately by ourselves do all the things and accomplish all the things and be the most successful and i think that that is more of like a disease than truth you know i think that we're supposed to like be in this together for as long as we're in it and share space and connect and you know like the greatest moments don't happen alone they happen when we're in relationship with each other and we you know become intimate or vulnerable or open up so it just it feels like yeah it just feels like we're missing uh an understanding of how we're actually supposed to be living more in communion with each other than uh than like competing independently yeah yeah i'm seeing that you know uh, in general you know uh, because i don't have a faith so what helped me get and stay sober was the community around me that yeah. cared um yeah. uh, you know that that was a, a huge driving force i mean there was a certain point where i wanted to get high and i thought about it and i was like i don't want to spit in those people's faces yeah. this time so i didn't what and and dude, I would say that I'm there with you. I don't have a faith. I don't have a faith. There's not a religion. Like, I got dudes that like I look at and I'm like, wow, I like how they live their life. I have things that I read that really resonate with me. But like, if anything, my faith is in like myself, and not like to control everything, but just like, I don't know, like a belief that, I, yeah, I don't know. So like, I, like I would, I, I would connect with you. Like, I, I would identify somebody who's. I mean, I don't even know if I would identify as spiritual anymore, but like deeply spiritual and very respectful and equally irreverent to all religions and traditions and walks. But I don't have a specific faith. But at the same time, like there's no way that this life experience is not, you know, of a divine or otherworldly nature. It's so it's the the literal next question that I was going to yeah. ask was, what do you when you hear the word God, what do you what is what is that in your mind for for me it's a word that we use to describe something that we think is separate but it's actually like the whole experience that includes all of us all right so and reality you, you, yeah i mean like it's i don't think it's separate okay but I'll, like i also like when i speak about whatever this is that we can't really uh accurately express because it's bigger than our small limited minds can even understand um Words that I use that are interchangeable are like God, the universe, uh, life, um, nature, um, higher power. Like for me, all of those kind of point at a similar thing. Just like the word God is in English and then Allah is the word God, but in a different culture, in a different language. Mm -hmm. You know, like and then if you, you know, go into other more like uh, Middle Eastern languages, they have other words there. So, you know, and then the other, you know, then you go to Asia, there's other references to, you know, a divine being. So, like, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like a while ago, I stopped trying to figure that out. Hmm. Um, just because it feels like, it just feels like it's something that doesn't fit underneath the microscope of the human mind, you know? Or the, you know, mm. whatever. Okay, I dig like that. It's just, it's just too big. And then, so the last question I always try and end when I'm interviewing somebody is, yeah. I 
have a time machine. I go gr- grab um, Drew at 11, 12 years old. I put him in front of you. Uh-huh. What do you say? It's okay, dude. You're okay. You're all right. Just give him a big hug. So, you're okay. And then, like, you, like you're not. There's nothing wrong with you. You're like you're okay. You're actually pretty fucking awesome. It just might take a little while for you and everybody else to figure that out. <laughs> Bringing with tears in my eyes. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, I would like to. I mean, <laughs> the whole point of this is like a future podcast. So, like, I don't know who's gonna listen to this, but if you wanted to, like, you know, talk about your website or anything, you know. Please do. Well, what? So in the future, like like 10 years from now, 20 years from now? I don't know. Whenever she right. starts asking these questions, you know, okay. like, uh, you know, right now I'm going through the more emotional because it's helping me. But at some point I'm mm-hmm. going to get more mm-hmm. like science. So like, you know, whenever she starts asking these questions, I'm going to go, well, hey, yeah. here, listen to this. Right. So if she wants to know if she wants to know about God, right? Yeah. Like, tell her to to get quiet and listen to her heart, right? And like, and lots of people have lots of ideas about God, and none of them are right, and none of them are wrong. And you should believe whatever makes you happy and lets you, you know, be awesome. That's all. That's <laughs> that. You know. And then, if other people are mean, like that's because they're scared and they're hurt. You know, it's not because anybody's mean. Right? Like a like a bully. Like the bully is, is the person who's always in the most pain. That's what, and they're communicating how much pain they're in. Mm. You know? There's like all these life hacks that I wish, like somebody would have told me. So, like so early on, I please tell me them. Yeah. You know what, <laughs> what? What do you think are the the important things? I mean, you're out there teaching people now, uh, right. and I'm sure they're younger. Um, and you know, so what? What are some of the like key ones that you've learned in this culmination of life? The, or maybe the, the best yeah just i mean that like this life thing <laughs> whatever it is you know it's just it's an opportunity and we have the chance to do really kind of like whatever we want with it you know but usually we're taught about this life thing by people who have a much more serious understanding right they have much more invested in particular outcomes and uh, and that's not necessarily how it has to be, you know. Like, we, like nothing has to happen. You know, mm. I don't know. It's just we take life. It's like we've made. It's like we've we got a ticket to the amusement park, and all the rides are there, and all the candy is there, and all the cool shit is there. But then we've somehow over the years turned it into this like competition on like who can be the best waiting in line for the thing or who can get to the most rides. And it's like, wow, you guys took all the fun out of just like the amusement park, you know? And, and, uh, but we can get back to it, you know? And, and, but so the what's key the is goal? the goal of what life? The, this. I, well, I mean, like, I feel like th- that, that, like the meaning of life, is all is what we write it you know like we have the ability to write whatever story we want with the time that we have like that's that's the fucking gift i feel like is like literally this can experience is yours to author and create in whatever way you want as long as that you know particular body uh you know 
sustains life for however long, you know. And then who knows? Maybe there's more beyond it. I just I don't remember because of that whole like birth amnesia thing. But uh, mm. you yeah. Know, um, yeah, I just uh, like I think I think us. It's like, can a leaf really like tell you what a tree is? You know, like can a leaf tell you what a forest is? Like it can to the best of its leaf ability, but like how much other shit is involved that like the leaf has no idea about? And that's we're just leaves, man. <laughs> we're here for a little while, and then we start to change color, and gravity makes us saggy and wrinkly, and and then fucking. And then they put too much makeup on us and put us in a box and have a party. You know, that's a wrap. So I know this this question that comes to mind is sort of counterintuitive to everything that we've talked about. But, you know, with what you're doing, when I remember when I talked to you about this, you were like, I'm just connecting. And that's Mm -hmm. what your website says is I'm you're connecting with people. What at what point does this? you know, is there a ultimate goal or you just going <laughs> it's uh well yeah this will last as long as it lasts i don't know yeah if i if i can't put gas in the rv i ain't going nowhere you know what i mean like that's that's the practical nature of it what's but, your uh, hope then i guess is the better question of uh, verb the the hope in the dream is that i get to live i get to spend my time and experience in this body uh living from and being about something deeper something beyond the physical material 2019 2020s you know shenanigans and connect with other people but i would say into a degree like connecting with us right? like i think us is actually a truer description like that we're actually all connected we're all part of one thing we're not separate and so when i get to speak to other people or when i get to speak with us um it helps me like i don't feel alone i feel connected you know and so then what's the goal i don't like that my life now is a you know is experiences that flow from a place that's deeper and then i just get to like live from there and and be in interactions that are of depth and substance and quality so like i don't need to go anywhere like the living itself is now the reward Mm. you know so like I don't know. It would be cool to be able to go to Indian restaurants and have money, you know, to drive the RV around. But like, mm-hmm. and like, of course, I'll fall into stories of like, oh, I need to create more content for YouTube and and have people know me and validate and you know, like that's still very much present. But um, it's just it's not as important anymore. You know, it's instead of being what's on the television, it's much more the wallpaper now. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll still jump on the TV, and I'll you know I'll get lost in it for a little bit, but. But there is, yeah, there's there's not really somewhere else. Like, I, if that's the, I guess maybe that's the goal. The goal is for there not to be some goal somewhere else or something else, right? Just to be in and of itself and for that to be the reward. Because mm. then if I'm here now and this is where I want to be and this is who I want to be, then it's fucking always awesome. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah. And... And look, and that's like something we come in with and something we can practice our way back into by letting go of all the things we think we need to do in order to become something else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, it's very like, 
esoteric or out there or spiritual, but it's also like super practical. And this is like a, a truth that's more fundamental than like even our next thought or our next like action, you know? So it's, it's just, we don't have recent experience with it. And what we need to do in order to make it more available is like the total opposite of what we're taught from the moment we're fucking born. Yeah. So. I, it, it resonates with me because like, I think about if this, if like how my life is today, if it was like this till I died, I think I won. I, I, I nice. certainly there's things that I want and, and aspirations mm -hmm. that I have, but if this is it, I'm good. I'm, 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 that's great. I want, I, I, you know, I won. <laughs> it's the only way sure, I sure. can think of it, you know, so I get it. Yep. So there's peace there. And then look, a thought's going to come in like three seconds that tells you you need to do something or why something doesn't make sense or why you need to fix something. Or what. And then now it's just, how do I relate to the thoughts that come and go to the feelings that come and go to the interactions that come and go, like, how do I relate to them then helps support establish or maybe even lose for a moment the, the piece that I am. Mm. So, so it's like the answer is always in how we relate to our experience. It's not anything about doing something with the experience. It's about how we relate to it or with it. Okay. Makes sense. It's, it's, it's a step closer. It's a step earlier. We always think it's the next thing we do. We're like, oh, if I put this plus this, then I'll get that. But yeah. it's like, no, like, what happens before you put the plus sign? Like, what was there before you tried to add something? Hmm. Or like, like, a step earlier relieves you of the need to do whatever it is that you think you need to do and all the bullshit and stress and worry that comes with that. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then we don't, like, then we still live. You know, like, some people are like, oh, what, I'm just going to do nothing? And it's like, well... No, you're still gonna do. You're still gonna barp and furt. You know, furt. What's a furt? You can still like, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. You're still gonna burp and fart and like, you know, fucking pick your nose and eat. Like, life is still gonna sustain itself. It's just there's this whole layer of who I think I am and how it's supposed to be according to me that now gets removed from the life experience, and it's yeah. like cleaning the windshield on your car, and you realize, holy shit, like. I've been I've been way off the road for a long time, but I never knew it because I couldn't see through the shit that was on my windshield. Mm. What would you say to somebody to make that first step? To even think to go to the, the cabinet and get the Windex to even before they spray? What what is that step for somebody? Yeah. Like I mean, why do they why do we even need to do that? Like it'll happen or it won't. You know what I mean? Like you like us thinking that we should do it is like you're attached to some preferred outcome, right? Mm. Like, like even in the creating of this podcast, there's some like idea that like, shit, like river comes from me. <laughs> she might hit some, some struggles down the road and I want her to be supported and taken care of and know that like, she's good and she can like, you know, handle shit and come out of like any kind of trouble, right. Or struggle. Mm -hmm. So, but like, Bro, you're, there's no way you're doing a podcast with this kind of vision and this kind of perspective without banging your head into every wall that you banged yeah. your head into. Yeah. So, like, instead of trying to, like, save her from what you perceive as, like, struggle or pain or whatever, you know, it's like, dude, like, that that's going to be the richness that really develops her character into the amazing young lady that she is. So it's True. like, 
when you try to save her from her struggles, when you try to fix her, the what's what we're communicating is that we don't actually believe in her inherent ability to just fucking be awesome and rock shit. Hmm. Okay. Very valid point. There's going to be moments where it's like, hey, look, like, don't go in the street when there's a fucking car coming. Yeah. Or like, hey, like, red light, stop, green light, go. But like, we tend to overdo it. And and as much as important as it is to teach them that red means stop and green means go and don't go in the street when the car is coming, we should also invest as much energy, if not more, in like, hey, you're awesome. I believe in you. And like, just go kick ass. And sometimes it's not going to be, you know, easy, but like, we'll we'll laugh and cry and you know and connect about it because mm. again if the if the goal is actually connection and relationship then everything that happens is just an opportunity to connect about or connect through okay but if but if everything is like a goal somewhere else to go get something to achieve something to become something well then it's much easier to like separate and isolate and compete yeah yeah, but if we, but if life, like if we reorient or if we reorientate ourselves to the life experience and make it less about accomplishments and achievements and getting things, and more about connecting with each other and being a member of an experience with others, like half the pressure falls off immediately, and then everything that happens is an opportunity to connect through or about. Awesome. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna end there because <laughs> I have to pee, uh, and that was a beautiful <laughs> point to end. Cool. That was great. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for giving me some of your time. I really appreciate it. Well, and and so if River um, and if River's watching this, like, come find me wherever and we'll talk and laugh and I'll tell you fucking cool, funny, weird stories about your dad. And, uh, (laughs) well, what's your website so she can at least look it up? Well, who knows what the fuck my website's going to be then? Yeah. My (laughs) last, my last, I mean, I mean, I might not even subscribe to the name I was given anymore by that point. Maybe I'll be a, uh, I might become a what is it like Prince had a symbol? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so oh, I might just be a symbol then. For you. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> my last name is Asini, A S S I N I, and first name is Drew or Andrew. And hopefully I'll be somewhere. So just come find me and we'll we'll chat. <laughs> I love you, man. Thank you. Love you, bud. Talk to you soon. All right, have a good one, man.